they would like to sing, uh, or you can start at around 299 and, and look 299 and beyond that for some of the Christmas songs that we are familiar with. 313? Let's turn to 313. We're not going to sing too many, but don't trample over each other to get a request in. We'll be able to sing them in the season here. Angels from the realms of glory. Let's sing. Um, well, it kind of goes from stanza to stanza. Well, let's do all five. Number 313. on high. We'll sing all three stanzas, number 318.
Nathan. 317, that makes it real easy. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Let's sing those, sing those, yes, that is correct. Let's sing those three stanzas of number 317. One more. Is there an older child in the congregation that wants us to pick a song? No? Okay, okay. I see some young ones here. You got one, Joseph? Okay. Stella. 314. All right. Let's sing. Oh, we'll sing all of them. The four stanzas, 314.
shepherd. As we have gathered together as God's people, we are reminded of these words, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then the psalmist calls us to sing. He says, sing praise to God. In Psalm 47. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. People of God, in whom is your help? God greets you with these words. To the faithful in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, through the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's turn in our hymnals to number 293 as we continue to sing. Number 293, we're going to sing stanzas 1 and 3. 1 and 3 only of number 293, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
As we look at the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, we hear of that prophecy of the coming of the one who was a child and yet a king. That familiar word given to those who were under oppression, those who were struggling against the nations around them, fearful of the nations. To them, a promise was given. Through the Lord, by the prophet Isaiah, we read, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. We'll do this. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Father of light, as we have gathered here today, we are so thankful that you have, in your decree, called us out to be your people, to be those who proclaim the excellencies of your mercy and of your grace. You who have called us out of darkness into light. We thank you for your leading We thank you for your spirit. We know that our sin seeks to plunge us into darkness and to lead us into bondage, but we recognize that your light pierces our darkness. As so long ago, when the shepherds least expected it, the people, the nation of Israel least expected it, the Savior came, and he was announced by angels who proclaimed glory to God in the highest. And there... The glory of heaven overflowed to the earth. We're so privileged, O Lord, to live in this day when we have your full revelation, your full word, that we might know how your plan of redemption was going to be accomplished, was accomplished, and of how that victory will be seen when he returns again. The consummation of the kingdom. Oh Lord, this plan is a plan that the angels long to look into. That which the people of old did not fully understand, as we noted this morning in Abram. Throughout the Old Testament, you speak of the coming one, who would be ruler of your people, reigning in truth and ushering in peace. The increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Lord, we look forward to that day, to that kingdom which will increase and grow and will Reflect 
the glory of your grace. We say with the gospel writers, we've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only come from heaven to earth with eyes of faith. May that glory, that glorious light lead us on until we see our Savior face to face. Give us strength when we are weary. Fill us with hope when we are despairing. As we look away from ourselves to our Savior, give us joy in the promise of our Savior's second advent that we might throughout the year give testimony to our strength being in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to number 292 before we turn to God's word for the message this afternoon. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. We're going to sing those four stanzas of number 292.
turn our attention to the reading of God's Word this afternoon from Isaiah chapter 11, page 575 there in the Bibles in front of you. Isaiah prophesying amongst the people of God, bringing these, this, the Word of God. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So far the reading of God's own holy word this afternoon. Dear people of God, as we look in God's Word this afternoon, we were considering lessons and carols again in an Advent service. We decided not to do that. I wanted to look at uh, a passage that connects with the lordship or the kingship of Christ. We recognize uh, so very often that people view the Bible as a religious book for a particular people. But really, what we see in the scriptures is the story of the world. It is the story for all people everywhere. It begins with our creation. It speaks of God the creator. It tells of the fall of man into sin and of the need then to be rescued from that sin lest we perish. And then God speaks of how he will accomplish that purpose, of how he carries out that redemption, and we look forward to the coming of that Redeemer once again. But I want us to think about the fact that the world is established upon the decrees of God. Adam was given a position of leadership under the Lord. He was under the majesty on high. We are monarchists, all of us. We ought to be. We believe in a king. We believe in living under God. We speak of that in our nation's documents, being under God, and yet we see how that has come to be treated with contempt or to be seen as something that is religious to a, again, specific to a particular people. What I want us to think about this afternoon in this season of Advent is that we are looking forward to the return of the King. We're not returning, looking forward to the return of the king just for Christians, just for Jews. We're looking for the return of the king of the world. And the Old Testament lays out before us that hope. What God does is he calls a people out. We've seen him call out Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans. He becomes the father of a nation of people. But God is showing in that people what it means to be called out to him, how we are to live for him. And throughout the scriptures we see that God calls his chosen ones. Not all are called unto salvation. But we are to be looking and longing for that salvation, finding it in God's Redeemer. 
The story of mankind begins in a garden, and the beginning is this. Man walks and talks with God. He's meant to be in fellowship with his creator. He's meant to be under his king. The story of mankind ends in a city. And the city is described in this way. It is a city that does not need sun or moon because the Lord Almighty will be its light. And everything in between those bookends, everything in between those, that introduction and that, that reminder of where it all ends, where it all consummates, where it comes together, is a picture of man's uh, uh, rebellion against that lordship, against God the King. From the time of the fall, from the time that our first parents turned from God and thought they could rule themselves. The fact that they thought they could rule themselves and be like God, believing the deceiver, even the Satan, did not make it so. And since that time, man has come to believe that he can make his own laws, his own rules, his own regulations, and by, by doing so, create his own story. But what we see is that man is not able to govern himself apart from the Lord. He falls into sin. He falls into selfishness. We see it. It comes to such a point that in Genesis chapter 6, God sees that uh, man was doing only evil all the time. Judgment comes in the form of a flood, warning of what was to come, the future judgment. And even after the flood, we see how man continues in sin. We saw it there when we looked at chapter 11, or rather chapter 10, leading into chapter 11, where God declared that everything was corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. Man living on his own, seeking to follow his own rulers, his own leaders, could not find his way to life. And the Bible states in very succinct fashion, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, that way leads to death. It is not through power. It is not through political maneuvering. It is not through statesmanship, which we might think is our Savior today. The notion that man can govern himself is the luxury of those who've lived for a long time in a very blessed country. When leaders were leading as they ought, when they were, or in part, leading for right, leading for truth, we're seeing that decay, we're seeing that leading for right, being replaced by partisanship and by political one-upmanship. We see the history of human government all through the ages acting in that way. When Israel didn't want the Lord as their king, what did they say to Samuel the prophet? We want a king like all the other nations. First Samuel chapter 8, and God gave them that wish. Their first king looked like a king. But he did not act like one who understood his position under God. And we see how that role of kings, those role of kings played out. After they had had judges, they found this king thinking that they would have a salvation in him. And time after time we see how the kings lived for themselves and served themselves and 
ruled for the people's praise. And they were brought to a place where their kingdom divided. We see how that great kingdom of David divided even after Solomon. The Lord came to them, uh, to those nations, and said, Look to the Lord for the promised deliverer. Call for a sign to remember my promise. The one in the line of David, that king who was after the Lord's own heart, refused. But God gave a promise anyway in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah came and said to Ahaz, ask for a sign. He refused. And Isaiah announced, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. There we begin or we don't begin, but at, at this, for our purposes this afternoon, there we see the beginning of God's uh, emphasis on who this king would be. God with us. The rule of earthly kings was a failure, but this one, this one would come to rule as God with us. If left to themselves, we see what would happen if man is left to themselves, we see it in Genesis, we see it all the way through Judges, and then on to, uh, through the kings, and then in the midst of these uh, rulers. There's talk of invasion from Assyria and from Babylon. Not sure what I'm doing wrong here. And we see that uh, what is prophesied by Isaiah is that they would be led into exile. The northern kingdom into Assyria, the southern kingdom into Babylon. Such was the state of this nation that thought they could rule themselves. It is stated this way. Isaiah says of the nation of Israel, their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil and they are swift to shed innocent blood Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They've made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. This is what happens if we are left to ourselves to determine that uh, the right, to declare that might makes right, to take our own path. What separated the people from God was their sin. That was their desolation. It was not their king. It was not their rulers. It was their hearts. The prophet Micah spoke to the nation of Israel. And when he spoke to them, he said this of of Israel. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. That they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. This was the state, the people, apart from God. This is the picture of man apart from God, helpless. It is not an outward 
manifestation of obedience that God wants. He calls us to live for him from the heart. Yet the Lord is gracious and merciful, and he spared his people, and he promises to spare those who will look to him and to cry out to him for help. He saw the many nations against them, Micah tells us in Micah 4.11. The Lord continued to speak word of promise. He said there in that place where there was an enemy mustering troops against them, he gave this prophecy in Micah 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. The Lord laid out that this word was not just for Israel, what was going to be for the nations when he declared to his servant, the one who was to come in Isaiah 49, these words. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This servant, as to his earthly line, would come from Israel, but his origin would be from eternity, from the Father. When he came to his own, he found them hostile to him, for they had sought another way of righteousness before the Lord in their doing, in their Sabbath-keeping, in their sacrifices. They were not looking for his coming to save them from their sins, but to save them from their earthly oppressors. How easy it is for us to think that way about saving and salvation. Lord, just release us from our earthly oppression. Release us from those enemies that we have here below. But what we must remember is it is our sin that is our greatest desolation. It is a need to be delivered from that sin which is most necessary. Isaiah tells us that the one to come would not be one who would bring desolation upon the nations, not in this time, in his first coming, but he would come to bear our punishment. Listen to these words in Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. 
Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. Your people of God, the grace of God leads the way in our redemption as we heard this morning. God has sent his Savior to deliver us from ourselves, for we are unable to deliver. This one is coming again. He's coming as king. He will rule in the power of the Spirit. Listen to those words of Isaiah 11 again as we come back to them. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This one would be filled with the Spirit. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. When he comes, he comes in judgment. And when he comes, he will come not at the invitation of man, but at the command of God to establish the new heavens and the new earth. He will not rule by what his eyes see. So much of what we see today of leadership is ruling as they look around and see what would be popular, what would be welcomed, what would be liked. This one will come to establish justice and righteousness, to deal equitably, and he shall destroy the enemy. I was hearing someone say this week, why is it that so many despise the manger scene, put up with so many other silly decorations around this time of year. Why does the manger scene need to be hidden away, kept in people's houses but not on their front yards? And the reason that he was giving is this, that in that coming, there's an acknowledgement, there's a clear teaching of the coming of a king. That king is going to come again not as a child, but as one who will judge the living and the dead. They don't want to be reminded of that. And we don't want to forget that, that this one who was a child comes again as king. When he comes, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and bring fullness of joy. When he comes, all sadness and sorrow will flee away. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. How does this kingdom come now? By the power of the Spirit. As the Spirit filled this righteous servant, so the Spirit must fill us as sinners, that we would understand him, that we would receive him as Lord and Savior and King. As we reflect in this season, all of the commercialization of it, we ought not to forget that it focuses upon the coming, the Savior of the world, one who is King and Lord. Our great joy should be for that coming King, that coming kingdom. 
this one who comes from the stump of Jesse is also the Son of God. And we say, come Lord Jesus, come usher in your eternal kingdom of righteousness and peace. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we consider the history of mankind, the story of the world in your word, we pray that you would open our eyes to see ourselves in that story, that you would help us to communicate this truth to those around us, that we would not anticipate your coming by ourselves, but that in ever-creasing number, people would come and want to see and to hear about the one who is coming, who is king, who is Lord. Father, we thank you for this one who was perfectly humble, perfectly righteous, meek, and yet powerful, like a lamb that was slain, now reigning. These are the images that we see as we anticipate his coming. May this lead to faith, hope, and love in an ever-increasing measure in our hearts and our lives, we pray in his name. Amen. Ask the deacons to come forward at this time. We'll have an offertory prayer, and then we'll take the offering while the duet is being sung by Linda and Marion and accompanied by Christy. Christian school. We ask, O Lord, that from the earliest of remembrance, these young children would have a memory of the truth about your son and his coming and his coming again. Bless the teachers and students as they continue their studies this week on into the Christmas break. Give them, Lord, the ability to focus and to wonder at that great gift that you have given in Christ. We ask in his name. Amen.
just a few moments, we're going to receive the parting blessing. And then on the back of the bulletin is the, uh, are the words of the doxology. On Jordan's bank, the Baptists cry. Uh, we're going to sing all five stanzas of that. So just be aware of that. It's on the back of the bulletin. Let's stand to sing, or stand to receive God's parting blessing, and then we'll sing. People of God, remember that the Lord is your light in this dark world. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his uh, face towards you and give you his peace. Amen.